Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Thank you so much for being here right now with us, wherever you are in the world. Uh, If you like this episode, please do subscribe. I have a very exciting guest today and I can't wait to find out more about her incredible journey and her experience. Her name is Paula Lenz. In 1983, Paula had a recurring dream, which proved to be a precognitive warning. In the same year, she lost her brother, Don. Three days after his funeral, Paula had an out-of-body experience with her brother's spirit while she was driving. The result was, as she described, a visit to infinity and a change in her consciousness. Paula continues to experience occurrences and connections with her brother, Don. Paula hopes her story will provide comfort to those who have experienced the loss of someone they love deeply. Paula is a native Texan, holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from San Houston State University and is the author of Driving into Infinity, Living with My Brother's Spirit. Paula's extensive business career of more than 40 years includes executive director for a major Houston association, as well as co-founder and owner of a national community relations company. This is her story and this is her passion. Paula, welcome to Passion Harvest and thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm I'm thrilled. It's an absolute pleasure and we were just discussing briefly before we started this interview that for me today is the day that your brother Don died which is kind of incredible October 7 actually a friend of mine called me last night and said oh my gosh I just watched an interview you won't believe it it's actually the same day synchronicities right yes absolutely and um yeah so it it is um 37 years ago now uh since his passing wonderful so I I would love to start with your um your dreams that you discuss or experience that, that were potentially warnings of the future? Yes. Um, I like to give people a sense of exactly when this was because um, the year that I had this precognitive dream or that it started was the year 1982. And, you know, back then there, there wasn't an internet at that time. And that was a time before we had personal cell phones and computers were really not the norm like in offices. And I was 29 years old uh, at the time when I began to have this recurring dream. And this dream was always the same. Um, I was out on some fields and hills and um, people were gathering there And soon there was a big crowd and someone came up to me and asked me what was going on. And when they asked me that, I replied that I had heard it was the end of the world. And when I said that, then suddenly everyone was looking up in the sky 
and there appeared Jesus. And in that moment when that happened, I just doubled over almost down to the ground. And I was experiencing the worst agony and pain I had ever known in my life, but it was not physical pain. It was heartfelt suffering and agony. And I just kept saying in the dream, but it isn't supposed to be this way. I thought that the end of the world was supposed to be joyous. And then the dream would end. And I would always be startled awake by that. And I just, I had no idea what this dream meant, but I continued to have that into the year 1983. So we fast forward now to, it was a Friday, October 7th, 1983. And uh, that morning I was driving my husband to work. I was gonna drop him off. And I was going on downtown to, uh, in Houston to the Greek festival. And later my husband was going to join me there. But as I was driving him to drop him off at work, I suddenly got this, this really uh, deep pain over my heart area. And I was thinking to myself, what is happening? And I, I was quite fearful because I, I wondered if I was having a heart attack or what. But I didn't say anything to my husband. I just dropped him off and I drove on down to the festival and the pain went away and I thought, oh, well, it was probably nothing. Um, so later then at the Greek festival, uh, we had the group of friends I was with, we were getting ready to go inside for lunch and there were already huge crowds of people that had gathered there. Most of the event is outdoors, but obviously for the lunch, we you know, went inside. And as I had said, my husband was supposed to join me there later in the afternoon. But in the middle of these huge crowds, you know, we're trying to get lunch and everything. I spotted him across the, the room making his way toward me. And I thought, well, he's here a lot earlier than we talked about. But I thought, well, that's good. But as he progressed toward me through the crowd and got close to me, I saw his face and I had never seen him look like that before mm -hmm. and as he came up to me he looked me right in the eyes and he put both of his uh, hands on each of my arms and he looked me right in the eyes and he said Donnie was killed this morning mm -hmm. in an accident and I just crumpled down to the floor I was just screaming uh, my friends rushed over I just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Now, my brother, Don, is four years younger than me. I have a sister who's 10 years younger, but my brother and I grew up together, you know, and I was always looking out for him. And so I just, I felt almost responsible. It's like, why wasn't I there to stop this from happening, which of course I knew was a ridiculous thing because he was grown, he was 26 and um, you know, there would have been nothing that I could have done, but it was just sort of my sisterly instinct, I'll say to, to react that way. And the thing of it is 
I was told after that, that my brother's accident, the time of his death, he was killed at 9 a.m. that morning. And that is exactly the time as I was driving my husband to drop him off at work. That is exactly the time I had this pain over my heart area at the exact time of his accident and his passing. So then later on, I realized that this recurring dream that I had been having was showing me how I was, the circumstances under which I was going to find out about his death because a lot of it was outdoors. It was at this Greek Orthodox church, you know, hence kind of the, the religion deal with Jesus in the sky and then all these crowds of people. So that's why I had that recurring dream, although I, I had no idea that that's, you know, what it was about. And, you know, for me, the grief, and I described this in my book, but, you know, the grief for me was just completely unbearable. I mean, of course it was for our whole family, but um, again, because my brother and I grew up together, I just, you know, I was still very close to my brother and we would still get together and we talked on the phone, you know, every other week or whatever. And I just didn't know how to deal with that. And people talk a lot about grief, um, whether they've lost someone very close to them or a child as well. And they, I get a lot of people contacting me. They just don't know how to move forward. They just say it's all consuming. They want to potentially die themselves to reconnect if possible with the loved ones. But what would be your advice? before we continue the story, because it's so important, and I know how much you are doing this to give back to others, what is your advice to move through that grief? Well, my first comment is, you know, I just didn't know a human being could cry so many tears. And um, you just, in the beginning, there are just no, no good ways to deal with it. I think you just have to, you have to go through the emotional reactions and feel what you're going to feel in your heart and just let, let that come through. Because if you don't, I think that in the long term you will have, you know, many more issues and problems about it. So, you know, people, People want to come up to you and comfort you. And, you know, they have a lot of good words that they say to you. But I was so deep into my grief. I, you know, I, it was, in fact, I describe it in the book, even like at the funeral. It was like looking at people and friends that I know really well. It was as though I was looking down this tunnel at them. It just seemed like these people were just so far away from me. And I was just in this cave of grief. And I just don't know that there's any way else to deal with it in the beginning. Now, later on, you know, it was just, I think it would have been good given the suddenness of my brother's passing just out of the blue. It, it probably would have been helpful to have gone to a counselor, uh, you know, some grief counselor and be able to talk it out with someone who's trained in that area. But I, 
I did. I never did that, and no one really suggested that to me. But in looking back, I think it could have at least provided some kind of sense of the floor beneath my feet instead of just feeling as though I were hanging out in space with just nothing under me. And, um, you know, and it was hard to, to talk within our family about it because everybody was just dealing with so much of their own sorrow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Please continue on the story. Well, so I stayed on at my, uh, my dad and his wife's house uh, the following, the week following the funeral. Uh, my mom and her husband at the time, they lived uh, elsewhere. But um, I just wanted to be part of writing these thank you cards to all these people. I mean, we just had so, so many people at the funeral, he was well liked. And so I decided to stay in my hometown of Bryan and, you know, help write thank you cards. And I took, uh, what I wanted to do was I, the Wednesday after uh, his funeral, which that his funeral had been on Sunday. So that Wednesday, I decided to take some of these funeral flowers out to my grandparents. And they lived just a little ways outside of town. It was about 15 minutes. And my husband in the meantime had gone back to Houston and the only access to a car at that time I had was my brother's personal truck because he was killed in a company truck. And so I, I loaded up some of the flowers. I started out driving by myself to my grandparents' house and about halfway there, I'm driving along and suddenly I could see 360 degrees around me. I could see everything around me as I'm driving down the road. And I'm thinking to myself, what is happening to me? But before I even really had time to think very much about that, at, at that moment then, I, I became aware of my brother at my right shoulder as I'm driving. I'm still seeing 360 degrees around me. Did you feel him? You felt your brother? Pardon me? You felt your brother? Yes, I, and I saw him. He, he looked like a pattern of light to me. Was he in and his physical I, appearance as he was in this life? Yes, I mean, he still had the physical appearance, his face and everything. I, I knew it was him. But again, he was, he was made up of this pattern of light. Uh, but he was right at my uh, right shoulder. And he began to speak to me telepathically. I could hear him in my mind. And uh, he, he said, you know, I don't want you to be sad. Um, he said, I'm happy. And most of all, I want for you to know what it's like for me now. He said, I am on another plane of being. And he said, you know, it just had simply been time for him to go. <clears throat> and so at this point, then I became aware that I was no longer driving. I was no longer in the truck. I, instead, I was with my brother and 
I was focused entirely on realizing that I was out in the middle of the universe with him. And, and I knew that this was infinity and eternity. You know, it was, I was feeling this all the way through me. And I felt during this whole time that I was completely one with the whole universe. Now, my brother stayed with me through this whole experience. He was there. But uh, at first, I felt this wave of, I'll say, all peace that came over me. And then the second wave that came over me was one of all knowledge. And then finally, this huge wave came over me of just pure love. And I knew that all of this was being one with spirit. I was part of the oneness of spirit and the afterlife with my brother. And I knew that I was home. That was what I, I felt in my, and what I thought in my, my mind, my consciousness, that I was home. And I did not want to go back to my life on earth. And so as I'm experiencing all of this wonderment, you know, knowing that, there, that nothing in the entire universe is separate from each other, that everything in the universe, all of us, we are all part of this universal love, this spirit energy. And it was just so amazing. And I just did not want to return to my body. And so after I'd been there for just a bit and, and I started thinking like that, you know, it's like I wanted to go on. I didn't want to go back. And so I started in my consciousness feeling, you know, I want to go on. Again, my brother was right there with me. Well, when I started thinking about that, then I began to start whooshing away really rapidly. I could hear this whooshing. And I, I knew that I was, you know, trying to go on to, I'll say, the next level, because I knew there was a lot more than just what I was experiencing there. But as I started to do that, my brother exerted his energy on me, I'll say, and he said, no, you can't go yet. It's not your time. And when that happened, he just started, it was just like I was being pushed back down. I could see myself coming back into the truck. And, and then that was when I came back into my body. And at that time, I realized that I had already made a turn onto the road that took me directly to my grandparents. But to this day, I have no idea how I, I was driving the truck and making a turn because I have absolutely no recollection at all of doing that. You know, I was infinity with my brother. And for the rest of that day, you know, I went on to my grandparents, but I didn't tell them anything about what had just happened to me because quite honestly, 
I believe that for the rest of that day, I was in like this glow from having been in eternity and in this consciousness of one with everything. So I just had kind of this warm, rosy glow. I knew everything was okay with my brother. I was just feeling so peaceful. And I, quite frankly, I just didn't feel any initiative or need to tell anybody anything about it. And so this continued on for the rest of that day, this, this being in that state. Uh, but it was interesting because when I was at my grandparents, I could see how my brother viewed us in terms of being in this deep grief. Because that's how I looked at my grandparents. They were grieving so deeply for my brother but I'm looking at them from a different perspective that day of what I've just experienced. And I know he's okay. You know, I loved where I had been and, but I, I just couldn't tell them all that there. I just didn't have words, but it, it was very interesting to me, the view that I saw as though it were through my brother's eyes, you know, they don't want us to be that way, but it's only natural being, human <laughs> that we do feel that way um but you know once I got through that day however it was like I you know I fell back into this this grief for my brother because you know the reality was for me living my life every day I was never going to get to be with my brother in person human form here on earth anymore and share all these funny moments and great times that we had and stay in touch and so all of that just kind of came back down on me you know the next day uh, and but you know I knew that he was around and you know once I got back home I began to have additional outreach from my brother in my house. For example, Donnie's best friend had given to all of us the last, probably the very last photograph that was taken of him, which was like during the, the last week of his life. He and his best friend had, they'd done some work for uh, the friend's grandparents on the, on their fireplace. And so anyway, they took a picture with uh, with them having finished that. And so his best friend had photos, copies of that photo made for our entire family, uh, which I always keep it on display in my bookcase where I can see it. But after I got home, I, I would find that picture so many times would be turned down. And I tried many times to walk past it and make it fall down on its own. Um, but it, I began to understand that that was his way of reaching out to let me know he was around me still. And I had any, I had all kinds of outreach from him uh, through the years following that. For example, I mean, one day at my house, this is probably, this is the only other time I actually saw him. But I, when I walked out of my bedroom and I glanced into the living room, I saw him standing at our stereo cabinet, but he wasn't looking at me. He was looking inside the stereo cabinet. He had stayed with us one summer when he was uh, finishing college. He was 
working that summer in Houston. And he used to, you know, come come to our house after work and he'd usually play something on the stereo there. Uh, but there were many other things, many other, uh, you know, besides seeing him in the living room, I'd come home and I would find the dining room chair, this one chair that he used to sit in. I can't tell you, there were like at least three times a week, I would come home and find that chair pulled out. And I asked my husband at one point, I said, are you coming into the dining room and doing something here? We hardly ever went to the dining room. Yeah. And he said, no, I told him about this chair being moved out. And that actually continued for, um, you know, until we sold that house at every week. Another time I came home from work and I walked, I was getting ready to walk down the hall to our bedroom. And this book was on the other side of the hallway. And we had this uh, bookcase that went all the way down to the, the carpet. And so this book had come out of the very bottommost shelf, which was at carpet level. And so it was all the way across the hallway to the other side. It hit the other wall and that's where it was. So I knew that it had flown out of there. There was no other way for it to be there. And another time my husband and I were in our TV room, we'd been watching TV in there. We had a big bookcase in there and the topmost shelf, we kept a bunch of videos from vacations and, and even some from when Donnie had stayed there with us. And we're watching TV and all of a sudden from the very topmost shelf where these videos were, this video flew halfway across the room to where we were sitting and landed at our feet. Gosh. My husband and I both looked at each other like, what just happened here? But, you know, these are the kinds of things that the kinds of ways he has continued to try to, you know, let us know that he's around. And again, there's, there's many other things that have happened, but, you know, people have asked me, so do you think your brother is an earthbound ghost? And I tell them, absolutely not. <laughs> he is fully on the other side, but he has the ability and the energy to reach out to us. And, you know, anyone who crosses over, uh, I think that they, they have those abilities. I think it just depends on their situation, uh, their families, their, you know, whatever, as to whether or not these, these things like that can occur. And, the other thing, too, is a lot of people, you know, they may not even notice things like that happening and give any credence to it, I'll say, that perhaps this could be outreach by, you know, from someone who's, who's crossed over. But for me, not only did I have things happening in the house and, and other types of uh, experiences. But I also developed this, uh, because I'd had this out-of-body experience and my whole consciousness was changed, my energy uh, field, I think, changed because I began to notice too, at night when I would drive along the freeway, lights would go out as I drove past them. 
then they, you could see them come back on as I went past. The same thing happens if I go walking in the evening along a roadway, the street lamps will go out as I walk past. And so that still wow. happened. But again, I think it's, it was a question of, I just had such an energy change and a cha such a huge change in consciousness because when I came back from that experience and once I got more beyond so much of the heavy grief, you know, I realized that my view of life and my understanding of things was totally different. And I had grown up, you know, we went to church. Uh, we went to, I was a Baptist. And I, when I came back from my experience, my understanding of so many things in the universe and about life itself were different than just things I had been taught. It was like I had this innate understanding from having been this oneness with spirit and the universe. It was completely consciousness changing. <laughs> so um, just so many incidents in my life like that and Eventually, you know, I, I went years and years leading my life, had my career, but I hardly ever talked about these things that had happened to me. I had just maybe one or two of my friends that I did share some of these happenings with, and they were just in awe. They were amazed at uh, some of the things that I had seen and had happened. Um, but this was not something that was part of my life that I just talked about with people. That just didn't happen. And even though I continued to grow in my understanding, and one of the things that happened to me was I was compelled to read all these books on spirituality when I came back from my experience. And I used to... I used to read lots and lots of books anyway, because I was an English major in college. But once I came back from this experience, all I wanted to read about and fully connect with was information on the universe, uh, higher consciousness, spirituality. You know, I just, I've read hundreds and hundreds of books like that through the years. And Again, having been an English major, I used to read all kinds of fictional books. I don't even, I had no desire to read any more fiction when I came back from that experience. So again, you know, just another example of the kind of changes in my consciousness that I had. But so after all these years of not really talking about this and not sharing it, I retired in 2016. And Three months after that, suddenly I decided that I was going to sit down and write my story. I was going to write a book. And I was, because I wanted to share this experience with the world and help people. And it took me about eight or nine months to, to finish it and get it published. It came out the following September. And 
I didn't know what to expect. How were people going to react to this? But I, I didn't really care I, so much. I was just interested to know what people might have to say. All these friends, you know, all these people in Houston I know who, you know, business people, because I just, you know, I put it out there that I'd written this book and a lot of my friends read it. And I was, I was so happy with the result that I had in terms of uh, people were just so interested in it. And for the first time in my life, since my experience in 1983, I experienced true authenticity in my life because suddenly I was claiming this other side of me that I never talked about, except to maybe these few friends. That was just not something I talked about. This whole experience I had with my brother, all these things that had happened, and all these after effects that I personally had. And I just was so free when this came out and people started talking with me about my experiences. I, I just can't even tell you the difference it made in how I felt. And then my passion became speaking to people about this and helping people who have lost others. And that's what I have proceeded in the, you know, the years since I published the story, the book, and it's my passion to do that because people need to understand, you know, it's okay to go through all this grief. It's, it's what we do as humans. And the deeper the grief, you know, the deeper your love was for someone in your life. But I wanted to share all these things that have happened because they, have to, they need to understand that, you know, people who have passed on, they can still be around us at times. And, you know, we're going to see them again. And we're going to cross over just as they have. Uh, and so it's a, it's a time when we lose people. Yes, we may experience deep grief. But we can learn a lot about ourselves being on the other side of that grief. And the other thing that I want to make people aware of by having written this book was to look around, be attentive to signs that might be there from your loved ones, trying to reach out to you in simple ways that, you know, you just might not even think of. Um, but it's, it's important and it's important to understand that our loved ones are right here. They're just in a different dimension. They're just at a different frequency and vibration than we are. And they have a fuller, deeper consciousness with the oneness of the universe. And I have absolutely no fear of death. It is much harder <laughs> to live life here and get through you know, some of the traumatic uh, things that can happen to us while we're here. You know, the, the idea of dying and suffering is more scary to me than crossing over. 
because on the other side with your oneness of consciousness there's just so much more to understand and experience and that is my message to people when i'm when i'm talking and speaking to people the other thing i would add to just one other note yeah. is as time progresses it's like i get new new after effects i'll call it i think perhaps it's just my consciousness continuing to open uh, to, to more inner energy, higher energy and frequency. But now, sometimes when I start pe speaking to uh, people in person or even on the phone, uh, they will suddenly share with me that they lost someone who they loved. And they'll, you know, express to me some of their grief or whatever. And I'm finding that sometimes this person they're speaking to me about who has crossed over already, sometimes they show up right here by me. I've seen their faces right here by me. And they will have messages for this person who's speaking to me that they want me to pass on, which I do. And a lot of times, that happens when the person is talking to me. They have some kind of angst about something they think they didn't do enough of for that person who is, was dying. You know, they have some kind of, they feel like they should have done more, that kind of feeling. And then their loved one will show up and, and they'll have this met these messages for this person to not feel that way. And so it brings comfort to them. So that's a really new effect, I'll say, for me that just started happening probably in the last year and a half. So that's been very interesting. <laughs> I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> what a what a you know incredible experiences. Thank you, firstly, for sharing all of that. What a wonderful ambassador you are for afterlife. And I'd love to ask you a few questions about about your journey but as you were talking about coming out I completely understand it but I had this image of your brother and he was so proud of you <laughs> well I'm I'm glad to know that really proud of you really I, it, it brings tears to my eyes it was a beautiful image oh great <laughs> um, well. yes I'd like to go back to when you were driving in the car with your OBE or out-of-body experience and you, you, you went to the universe and many people who have, this wasn't a near-death experience, your physical body wasn't uh, sick or dying. Um, there's, you, you lose track of time. There really is no time in the other realms. You can call it what you will. Were you able when you were up in the universe, up in the different realm? And I also feel in some way it was a gift to you from your brother in some capacity. Um, were you able to look down and see your physical body? Only when I started back down, mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, when he exerted energy on me and said, no, you can't go. And he was, you know, it felt like he was pushing me down really mm -hmm. rapidly. And when that started happening, as I got close to, you know, being back on earth and uh, close to the vehicle, like, it was like I could see through the roof of the vehicle and 
um, and I just went right through the roof into the vehicle, like back to driving. So I'm sure, obviously, I was still physically in yes. there, but it was like, obviously, my, um, I don't know if you call it my soul, but, you know, my being. Came back consciousness, there's many names for it. Yes, exactly. It, it's hard to describe. I was obviously still in the truck and doing the driving, but, you know, I was not consciously affiliated with that when I was out of my body with him. Very interesting. And you talk about the the oneness. And again, this wasn't a near-death experience. It was an out-of-body experience, the oneness. And, and I've interviewed many people who have had a near-death experience and they talk, as the commonality is this unconditional feeling of love. Would that also be similar to what you experience in, when, you, when you use the term oneness? Absolutely. The, you know, the, the, the biggest feeling that I experienced on the other side you know, after I had this wave of peace and then all knowledge, like I knew everything in the universe that had ever happened. I knew everything. And then it was as though then this, this third wave that was love, it was this energy of love and it's what we call spirit or God. You know, we have many names for that, but I felt the aliveness of that of spirit and the love that was and is everything you know that oneness with spirit if you can you know get back to that that oneness is with love and that's what everything in the universe is because that is what spirit is and um you know you just don't want to leave it <laughs> but it is all about the love many times that's that's what i say to people it's just really all about the love because that's what spirit is that's what we are all made of no matter what we act out like in our physical lives you know, you can look at people and say, oh, that person kills somebody, they're evil, you know, whatever. And so there are obstacles, there's, there's energies that block some things in people. But underneath all of that, who we are, everybody is, everything in the universe. We are love. We are love. That is what we are. We are one with spirit. That is what spirit, that's what God is, that's what whatever name you give it. That's what everything is. And if we could only, you know, get our heads wrapped around that while we're here in this life, um, you know, it's <clears throat> even, even having experienced this, um, I, you know, I like everyone else, I, have moments of sadness or anger or whatever. And it's, it's still all about the love. And it is hard often, you know, these incredible <coughs> multi-dimensional, multi-universal experiences to put into words. So you're doing a good job of it. And you talk about all knowledge. Did you, I'm interested, did you have the feeling that we, all our humanness, all, our, all the humans are interconnected in some capacity? 
Absolutely. We are all connected. And this knowledge that I had was virtually, I just felt like I was not only one with it, but I knew everything that had ever happened, everything. And I think that that is because your consciousness is just so open and you're able to just directly absorb that. And when you say everything that has ever happened, because I've got two parts to this question. Was it everything that had happened for you as a soul, firstly, or was it everything that had happened in the collective consciousness of the earth, of the universe? Um, in the collective consciousness. That's what it was. And, and also you say when it, everything that has happened, does that include past and future? I believe that it does, yes. I mean, so, it that's, just it's such an interesting concept, isn't it? It is, and it's um, it's very hard to explain <clears throat> that feeling of just being. It, it's like being spirit. I mean, um, that's the only way I know how to say it. You're just you're just not a physical entity experiencing it. It's just like you're your spirit, your consciousness, that's what you are mm. as part. And, and that's what I think that I was out there in the universe, my just consciousness and that oneness. Very interesting. And every, everything that has happened or is ever going to happen has, is already is, is in some capacity. You mentioned that when you came back from your out-of-body experience you were in a, a euphoric state for that day but after the day after you slipped back into back into your sorrow in some way did this experience that you had alleviate your sorrow well i won't say that it alleviated it um it because <clears throat> Quite frankly, for a very long time, I went through a lot of grief. Even though I had had this experience, this wonderful experience with my brother. But, you know, the, the human side of me that just missed my brother so much, I, I in the day-to-day -day living, I just struggled with that because we had always been so close. So that human side of me, the missing him and all the interactions we always had, uh, that is what I struggled with. Now, you know, I've read a lot of books and lots of people's stories and some people are able, it seems through what they write, it seems that they've been able to just Kind of make an about face and you know they're they're just really suddenly okay about that person's passing but for me personally it wasn't that way for me i while i understood and marveled at what i had experienced 
and knew that my brother was still around and still alive, but that human side of me, um, I, I'm a very extroverted person and I, you know, I'm all about getting together with people and being with them. And, and I just, I, I couldn't deal with him not being there anymore. I get that, you know, we, we have chosen to come to this earth in our physical body and, and one of those experiences of the kisses and the hugs and the, 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 the touch of other humans and those human experiences. So I completely understand that. And obviously grief and sorrow has no time frame for those that are experiencing, you know, quite profoundly, does it get easier? Uh, maybe that's not even the right terminology. Does it alleviate? Does the suffering dissipate? Well, yes, I mean, it does <clears throat> eventually. In fact, in my book, I talk about that. Uh, you know, my, my deal was, and of course, I was working at the time too, but, you know, I used to go out after work a lot for happy hours uh, with friends and just, you know, I would drink an inordinate amount of, <laughs> of booze. <laughs> Just, I just wanted to be numb from thinking about it, from just the rawness of what my life was like now without my brother. And, you know, there were many times that on weekends and things I was hungover. Um, I just wanted to numb myself. But eventually I got really tired of having hangovers. <laughs> <laughs> at some juncture down the road, you know, it took a couple of years, but I, I finally woke up to the fact that I said, you know, my brother is not here anymore, but I am still here. And I just can't go on living like this. And I, I had to really make a conscious decision to pull myself out of that and really start living my life again with this new reality that was part of our family. And after that, I began to make progress out of it and begin to, um, you know, move forward out of that deep grief place I had been for quite a while. And then it was easier for me to think back on this experience that I had had with him and go back to that many times through the rest of my life to remember that. But, you know, I've read books where, like I said, some of these people, they, whatever experience they have, it's like, they're catapulted into another space of being okay with everything and joyful, but it was not like that for me. And I know that there are probably a lot of people who it just takes them a long time to get over a certain person or something that they've lost. And, you know, again, writing my book and talking with people I want them to understand that even though I had this experience in no way, shape or form, did I just suddenly the next morning wake up and I was happy go lucky and 
like, wow, I had this great experience. I know all this stuff. Look what happened to me. Uh, it just wasn't like that. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. You know, it's, you just have to live through it on your own terms. Or you can get help up from a grief counselor. You know, like I said, sometimes that can help. But uh, I just wasn't one of those people who could just suddenly let go of all the, the grief and the change that had happened. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, everyone's individual and has, you know, the way they, they deal with grief and suffering and, and at all experiences, including joy, um, they need to experience in their own time or there is no time frame. For those people that would love dearly in some way to receive messages or connect with a loved one or have a loved one connect with them, do you have any tips or advice? Well, number one, I would, I would emphasize to people, again, as I said earlier, look around, see if you notice anything being different, you know, happening around your house or something like that as maybe a clue that they're, they're trying to just give you a little message. But, um, you know, it's, it's just that you have to move forward in your life at your own pace. And I think that if you need to, if you need to cry, if you need to feel badly, you just need to experience that. And when, when you have gotten to the point in your consciousness where it's like, well, I, I've done this enough. I, I'm, I still am here. I need to move forward. Um, it's just a process. Mm-hmm. And you have, to, you have to really forgive yourself for that. It's just, that's the way it is. And, you know, the advice I have is just, be okay with yourself wherever you are in the process. You know, don't, don't try to force things on yourself or let others force things on you. But, you know, the other thing too is reading some of these, these books and other people's experiences even um, can, I, I think, can really help people too. It's why... It's why there's such a wave now of so many people doing that. They want to share with the world whatever it is they experienced and however they experienced it. If they had their own near-death experience and they were on the other side or if they had a loved one come through to them or whatever. You know, people want to share these experiences. And the reason they want to do that is because they want to help other people who may end up in that kind of situation. They want to help them realize, hey, you know, you're not alone. Um, you know, I went through something similar. If, you know, if, if someone get, buys a particular, gets a particular book or reads a particular story, that can prove helpful to them. Because you know what, in the end, for me, writing the book, I mean, not only was it about sharing that side of me and making myself become a whole person, but it's also really about helping other people who are in grief about others or, you know, people they've lost and to understand maybe 
this was just a glimpse into the other side for them. Uh, but, you know, I have had continued outreach from my brother all these years. And uh, I think that that should be compelling for people. Yes. And be open to the possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like I'm a crazy person. And I certainly... You are not a crazy person. (laughs) I didn't want to talk to people about it at the time. But, you know, um, I didn't think I was crazy. I just accepted that he was around and he was able to do this. You know, that's the other part too. The human side of us, we're used to being finite in how we look at who we are versus, you know, these people who have crossed over, this is the infinite and this is, uh, you know, consciousness and miraculous things that we as humans surrounded by this physical body, you know, that we just a lot of times can't wrap our heads around that. And so I wanted to, to help people understand that, you know, what we consider really weird and out there experiences can totally happen with someone who's crossed over. You're in, that's a, a, another whole um, way of being <laughs> that is not like it is here. And if you can be open to that and accept it, then, then your life, I think, is, is fuller for that. Yes. And, and what you said before, a big congratulations to coming out. As you mentioned, you know, I, I often find when we surrender or we're completely vulnerable, wonderful things do happen. I, I always say when I first started this interview series, I was really worried that people would think I'm weird. <laughs> now I don't even care about it and it's liberating and it's, it's, it's freeing. But to push aside, you know, the social constraints of what is weird and what is acceptable, um, a big congratulations. And, and, you know, speaking your truth really is absolute freedom, in my opinion. Yes. It's- and, 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 you know, it was so you, you were, your book was so well received. And the people that didn't receive it, well, you weren't relying on other people's reactions for your own freedom. And that's real freedom. And that's true. It, it's true. I wasn't really relying on other people. It's like, this is my story. I'm just telling you my story. I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm just sharing what happened to me. And that's always where I come from to people. Mm. Um, And it's, I think that that's very helpful because I can't tell you how many people open up to me about things that have happened to them and what they feel about their grief and, uh, and how I had this, for example, uh, I went back to my hometown uh, about a year and a half after the book came out. I had a big book signing and it was also in conjunction with a high school reunion and stuff. And so one of the, uh, one of the guys I, I knew from high school, he came over to me, he had read my book and he said, you know, I just want to let you know how much your book helped me. He said, I just lost my brother not very long ago. And he said, your book really helped me. You know what? That's what it's all about. If I touch someone like that, then uh, 
for me, that's, that's the reason, you know, I shared it. And that's why I speak to people because of that. Oh, you're not going to make me cry now. I always cry. For the guests. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a very touching moment. And it's, it, uh, I felt his pain, I guess, when he said that to me, because you could tell he, you know, that his brother had not been gone for very long. And so, you know, I psychically pick up on things like that. I, you know, having had this out-of-body experience into infinity like I did, I did develop a lot of after effects, as I mentioned. And, you know, there are a lot of things that I intuit and know and am just psychic about. That's not everything, but when it comes to people and their losses, you know, I, I do feel information from them. That, that's, that's great. Um, I'd also just like to, oh, do you want to hold up the book, please, for everyone that's watching? <laughs> and for anyone that's listening or watching all Paula's uh, details and the book will be in the show notes. Here's the book cover. Driving into infinity. Living with my brother's spirit. And there is a, on the back cover, of course, this is the hardback, but there is a picture of him. Can you see? No, you might have to put it in front of your face. Yes, uh, up, up a bit higher. Great. Yeah. That's so weird. There he is. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'd also just briefly like to ask you, you know, it, it's, it, it's a, sometimes people are unsure what to say to people who have lost loved ones. How, what's the best way from your experiences, how to be comforted in your, if you're in that particular place of despair and sorrow? People are uncomfortable. I don't know whether you to say, I'm sorry, or bring you some food. What, <laughs> what's the best <laughs> thing to do? Well, um, you know, it's, it's just comforting for people to like hug you or tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss and, you know, we love you and care about you and, um, you know, maybe say something about that person like, you know, well, he was a great guy or whatever. Uh, but, you know, you have to understand that when people are just in deep grief, there's just not a lot that's going to be like this big comfort for them. A again, I think probably I had just an extreme um, deep grief experience from my brother's death. You know, when older people die, it's different. You know, uh, of course, you know, like my grandfather died. I was really close to him. And of course, you know, I was sorrowful, but it was not the extent to which this, you know, I experienced this loss of my brother. And, you know, the thing of it is, I especially feel um, badly for people who lose those in sudden accidents. And because that is just like what happened in my life. You know, one day they're there and then suddenly this, this whole thing that you have no idea is going to happen happens and they're completely gone. And... Um, you know, the one thing that bothered me the most 
about going through my brother's funeral and sitting there was hearing uh, that, you know, hearing the words that my brother was just sleeping. And, uh, you know, especially after I had my experience with him, I mean, it's like, no, he's not sleeping. He's alive. You know, he's on the other side. Probably that terminology I heard was the worst <laughs> because it's like, no, he's not just dead and gone and sleeping. And it's just a non-consciousness. And then I had my experience and then I had, you know, proof positive, but I was never going to believe that. And I think it's just a question of being warm hearted to someone and, you know, maybe giving them a hug or, if you're not that kind of person to hug people, just, just say, you know, um, we'll be thinking about you and your family or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just expressions like that. I, I, you know, it was helpful to me that people said that to me. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, is, I've asked all the questions. Is there something else you'd like to discuss with the Passion Harvest audience today? Just, you know... I would just say that now that I'm later in years and, you know, I've been experiencing all these things, um, you know, I still have moments when I really, really miss my brother or the physical side here in life, you know, to, to be with him here. I think that anybody who loses someone they love is at some point in their life always going to feel that. And that's okay. It doesn't, I mean, I even, you know, every once in a while, I'll think about him and something I really liked to do with him. And I will cry a little bit, but it's, it's only for myself at that moment, just feeling that loss of what could have been with him. But you know what? It's okay. You just, you just have to get through that and go on. And, um, it's just, don't be, don't be hard on yourself. And again, some people, they're able to just, you know, come on out of it. And, and those, those moments may never strike them like that, but everybody is different. And it's, I just say to people, it's okay. It's okay. Whatever you're going to feel along the way, it's okay. And you'll, you'll come out of it on the other side and um and you'll finish living out your life and then you'll be there with them yeah. <laughs> and it all be just wonderful I mean, none Thank of us are going to live forever <laughs> no we're, we're, look we're all going to die in our physical body at some stage that we know for certain exactly and so i, I have to remind myself of that along the way as well uh, but I just think you have to be um, gentle with yourself as life goes on. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Paula Lenz, you are, you're, you're an inspiration and a wonderful ambassador for Afterlife and such a beautiful lady. And I've had such a insightful and inspiring talk with you. And thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I was very excited to get your email about that. <laughs> I was um, very excited to get your reply. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your life. <laughs> oh, you too. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be in touch before then, though. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much, Paula. Thank you. Bye for now. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.